0: Hello, welcome to My Sclerosis. It's the podcast all about multiple sclerosis. I'm one of your co-hosts,
1: Sanchetti. And I'm the other co-host, Raphael Clays.
0: Why do you call yourself Raphael? I mean, we all call you Raph.
1: I, th- I feel like it's more professional.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Um uh, really, really glad that whoever's listening to us uh, is joining us. This is episode number two. Uh, Episode number one, our introduction, was quite warmly received. Yeah. Um, We've just had a a message from an MS charity who would like to promote this podcast. So, people are listening, Raph. People are
1: definitely listening. How have you been? I've been all right. Um... How have you been? Because you saw your nurse. I did see my nurse.
0: I did see my nurse. I saw my nurse, Adele,
1: last Monday,
0: so eight days ago. Uh, And just for people who don't know how MS works and the treatment of it uh, works, everyone who is diagnosed with MS in this country uh, gets a consultant to oversee their general treatment needs. Uh, and reviews their the progression of their illness probably once or twice a year. Uh, the nurse is on call to help you whenever you need. In my case, I've now had, since I moved up to Manchester, I think five different nurses. The first wow. nurse I got was Francis. Then I got Leslie. Uh, then Daniel, who still looks after me. Uh, then there was Nina. And last week, I didn't have a clue, uh, I saw Adele. Uh, and she saw me and uh, asked me lots of questions. Uh, I've since received a letter from her, not like a love letter or anything like that, like a, a letter just to say what happened in terms of her seeing me. And she asked me basically how how had I been. And I said, well, I'm not really any better than the last time I saw anyone. Uh, it's up to you to decide whether I'm worse. Uh, I still have several uh, instances, instances of vertigo, uh, benign vertigo, which is one of those things that's basically your balance. Uh, You could be walking along, uh, in my case, not very fast, and then all of a sudden feel like you have to sit down or fall to the ground because something in your ears has made you basically lose your balance. Uh, It's these little crystals in your ear, and it's quite uncertain. At the moment, I've not had any touchwood, that's really good for a podcast. Uh, <laughs> any major instances of vertigo for a couple of weeks, but little instances, just every now and then can strike you down. So I try to explain to Adele that that's really the thing that's hurt to me the most. Everything else I'm living with, dealing with, but it's just that benign vertigo. So, uh, But in terms of like seeing a nurse, I think it's, you know, in the sense that you probably don't know this. Yeah, what well, with your ripe old age of 15. But um, <laughs> if you ever see a, a policeman or a policewoman, a police officer, in, in fact I'll be PC, a police officer walking around, you just instinctively feel you're guilty. Yeah. In the same way, when you see your doctor or your nurse, there's a restorative effect to seeing them and thinking, I feel better now. I feel better because I've seen my nurse. Not that they can do anything for you on that day, but there's definitely something that makes it makes you feel like someone is looking out for me, someone cares for me, uh, and that person's not your, a member of, of your family, because, of course,
1: your family they they, should they, care. Your, your family should
0: care, but they also, let's be honest, find you quite annoying.
1: <laughs> so how does it work with the nurses? So,
0: <clears throat> sorry, I had a, a bit of water there. Uh, With the nurse, like I said, um, you see them probably every six months um, and they just ask you a load of generic questions. You give them truthful answers. I'm I'm trying to get used to this and tell the nurse what actually happened rather than give them a, hey, I'm fine, don't worry about me kind of version of events because I don't think that really works for me long term. Um, So you sit down with the nurse and they go through everything. Sometimes they might take your bloods, um, because one of the things about MS, of course, is that, I say of course, people don't know this, um, that you have a high level of, naturally high level of cholesterol uh, with MS. and That's one of the reasons why the myelin is broken, is broken down so quickly, is because you've got more fat in your blood than you need to have. So they might take your blood. Uh, I asked my nurse last week to take my heartbeat because my heart was going a little bit funny. Um, And they also review the things that are going on in the background. So for instance, I have had an MRI scan done recently uh, and it was an MRI on my brain but also on the rest of my body, on my spine. And I had not had the results of that. So she chased up the results and we've since had a letter and this is now your chance, I have to say to me, and what happened in that MRI scan? What happened in that MRI <laughs> scan? <laughs> well, funny, you should ask. <laughs> so, the MRI scan uh, revealed that there has been no significant progression uh, in terms of the demyelination uh, on either my brain or my spinal cord. Uh, so, as, as much as you can say, this scan, and my word, I'll tell you what MRI scans, you're too young to know about this, right? But having an MRI scan is like literally like having a ZX Spectrum playing in your head. You won't know the ZX Spectrum because it it was extinct well before you were born. Um, But it's like loads of noises in your head. But anyway, this MRI scan basically said he's not getting better, but he's not getting worse. And I'll take that. Yeah. Uh, Because I've had it now for officially 15 years. But let's be honest, it could be like 22, 23 years. <laughs> that's longer than I've been alive. That is a lot longer than you've been alive. <laughs> so, yeah, so that, that's how it works. Um, and also, uh, for people who are listening to this who have recently been diagnosed with, their, uh, with MS, people who think they might have MS, or people who don't have the level of treatment that they're looking for, uh, the MS nurse has a contact number that you can always contact them on. And there's a pool of nurses in this area. We live in the Trafford area in Manchester. There's quite a few nurses uh, and they all have, I'd say, probably about 100 patients at least. Uh, And you can contact them if ever you're going through a rough patch, you need to tell them something. Uh, Say, for instance, uh, about three years ago, uh, I rang the MS nurse just to let them know that my mum had died and Therefore, I thought my symptoms would probably flare up and get worse. I was quite fortunate they didn't actually get any worse, but uh, they're there for you. So if you want to have a chat with someone, uh, they can do that as well. It's not, what I would say is when you ring them, quite often they're not around and you have to leave a message and they get back to you about three or four days later because it is quite busy, but I suppose that's the uh, underlying thing about the NHS is there probably aren't enough people to do the jobs that they want to do.
1: Uh, do the nurses help?
0: Well, look, they don't, they don't not help. Uh, it's nice to see someone. Um, it's quite a long walk, to be honest. <laughs> That's, That's odd. Well, yeah, but I mean, walking's like in the thing at the moment for people with their mess because the government has changed the rule about uh, how long you need to be able to walk uh, unaided uh, in terms of being able to seek uh, financial assistance uh but no it helps uh and uh, i've never had to wait that long once i actually you know that internal wait when you get to a hospital you've been through this recently when you had problems with your foot um you get there i was there my appointment was at 10 o'clock and they saw me at five to ten so uh they do help uh, and they're nice people and they do actually remember you as well so huh? it's not like you're a uh, oh who are you again uh quite often they know you. They don't have to look, do an awful lot of looking at their notes to remind themselves who you actually are. Uh, so yeah, I think they help. All
1: right. Um, what could they do for like a person who's recently been diagnosed with MS? Would you say? It's feeling a bit like a Q and A. It is a bit of a Q and A, but this is what this is, Rafa.
0: I mean, I asked you how you were and you really didn't tell me anything, but you are a teenager, so... <laughs> uh, what can they do? Well, they would make suggestions to the consultant. And My consultant is a man called Dr. Rock. Lovely fella. Uh, uh, and they would say, I think we need to do this, organise this. I mean, I'm in a situation where I don't think they can give me an awful lot of drugs. And to be honest, I'm alright with that. I'm alright with that at the moment... Because... Say for instance... I know of someone... Who's on a new form of... Treatment... And I know... That for the majority of last week... They couldn't get out of bed... As you know Raph... I get out of bed before anyone else... Apart from you... But that's because you're nocturnal... Um, (laughs) But I get out of bed... Virtually... Every morning... Earlier than everyone else... uh, And so far... You can touch the wood.
1: Superstition, uh, by yeah, the way.
0: Yeah, superstition. Uh, so far, the MS has not affected my ability to get up in the morning. And it's not like I don't sleep. I do sleep. Uh, but You're not I, a vampire. I'm not a vampire. But uh, I can get up in the morning. But I do know that people, when they take medicine, quite often, it reacts badly. I know someone who... So this is going back about 15, 16 years. And this, I didn't even know that I had MS then. I met a guy, uh, a friend of a friend, who was struggling to walk anywhere because of it, uh, and then they put him on the beta interferons uh, steroid treatment, and actually those worked for him, although now they're not working for him so much. Uh, He's finding it cognitively quite tricky, quite challenging, I think you might say. Uh, What was your question again? (laughs) I uh, went off on a
1: tangent. Sorry, I was asking what the nurses could do for like people who. So yeah, so
0: so I think uh, their the job is to uh, monitor you uh, to basically to say to the consultant. Right, I think you need to be on this. Uh, I remember when I had my my last major relapse, which was five years ago. The nurse that saw me, Francis, the first nurse I had here, uh, put me on this treatment which was directly affecting my brain. I think it was tegritol and that's what it was called. Uh, and she also put me on the beta histine, which is, in theory, supposed to help you with your vertigo. So they can administer a certain level of drugs. I'm not sure as yet whether they can actually administer that level of treatment which we we call the people um, who are actually actively seeking treatment so unless i've said oh, have i said this i'm not actually on medication uh, i think you may have said that yeah let's make this clear people had ms for, like i said 15 years diagnosed 15 years ago probably had it since 1996 Um i am not on any treatment the only things that i do outside of what you consider normality is uh, I take a statin which lo- loads of people in this country take now uh, despite the best advice of the Daily Mail or Daily Express I'm not going to go there uh, and also vitamin D uh, omega 3 tablets uh, vitamin C which Ooh. you take every day now
1: uh, uh, B12 I'm sure that's me. Also, but I can't remember now um, I heard a few paragraphs ago that you said relapse is that do you have RR MS
0: yeah so that's one thing I think we forgot to do last time and so we're going to do that in a bit more uh, depth depth detail so the type of MS that I have and it's the most common form of MS is relapsing remitting do you know I just had to look up what remitting means <laughs> so remitting means is when the MS is like in remission So it's not really, it's not having an attack on you. The relapse, obviously, is that you have relapses. Um, For a number of years, people thought relapsing-remitting could be the kind of MS where you would just literally have an attack just randomly. And then after about maybe a couple of days, a week or a month, you would go back to normal. I don't think it's that simple. Uh, I think so. For instance, for me, I think that my relapses have left a a fairly tangible effect on everything I do. Uh, so, like I've said, the balance after my first attack, my balance has never really been, you know, back to what where I would like it to be. Uh, I st- I have problems now with my hands and touching stuff and all that. And th- these have all been uh, because of. The relapses, but yeah, relapsing, remitting that's the most common form of it. Uh, secondary progressive is the next kind, and that's the most probably the most serious kind uh, where you're afflicted by it in quite a strong way all the time. Uh, relapsing, remitting can become secondary progressive, but in my case, you can touch the wood again, that hasn't happened yet. Uh, so yeah uh but we'll we'll delve into that a little bit more in future episodes I think uh we also can confirm that we will be having guests on this podcast uh, after this week we 've got a couple of candidates in mind uh so yeah, I think you know as, uh, the more that we do this, the more that we try and spread the word about m s uh and I think as your brother said to me as you said to me we are doing this podcast not to be famous but we're doing this because we want people to understand what this actually means to people on a day-to-day basis Uh, i think it's an illness that not many people know about uh, and uh, that will be Hopefully, illustrated by the fact that we've got some questions from the punters, haven't we, Raph? Yeah. People actually did get in touch with us and said, do you know what, we enjoyed your podcast. These are some questions we've got. We've got more questions that we will
1: answer in future weeks. But, Raph, can you give me a snapshot of some of the questions we've got? All right. Um, this is from Miriam in Sheffield. She said, do you feel having MS has affected your mental health?
0: I don't think it has personally. You're possibly in a better position to analyse that. But I think I pretty much operate on a fairly high level most days. And if I don't, it's not because of the MS, it's because I'm just tired. Uh, And that, yeah, everyone gets tired. Being tired, MS can exacerbate your tiredness. But there are people who don't have m s lots of people who don't have m s who just get tired uh but I don't think it's really affected my mental health uh in a great way uh I'm comfortable with the fact that I have it. I'm not happy about it, but I'm comfortable with the idea that i've got m s uh i i I've trained my brain to not expect the worst but just to understand that. I just can't do the things I used to do. Uh, And I'm mentally quite comfortable with that. But I do know that there are a lot of people who do struggle with it
1: mentally. I, I think when I checked the symptoms about a week ago, there were some things hinting at a slight breakdown of your mental capacity. But that's not definite. That only happens in some cases. And you've definitely not shown any... Depressive tendencies, any anxiousness? You've not had any attacks of like severe mental health issues. You've had other health health issues, but there seems to be no mental health issues.
0: I think my mental health is basically defined by how my football team gets on. Uh, if they're doing well, I'm doing well. Uh, but I think that applies for
1: most people. Yeah, it's me as well.
0: Yeah. Anyway, we can talk about football all day, but we're not going to do that on this podcast. Because this
1: is not a football podcast. That's right,
0: that's right. Any more questions? I think we have.
1: Uh, This is from Craig in Manchester. Oh, hello Craig. Is there a symptom that affects you more than the others?
0: I'd say it's the balance. I think it's the balance.
1: I'd say that as well.
0: Yeah, I think it's the balance. um, And it's quite difficult. I think that... You know, I I've worked for the same company for over twenty years. Uh, I obviously I live with my family, who I've been with your mother, my wife, for over twenty seven years now. Obviously, I've got the two boys and you, um, and you've been with me for fifteen, thirteen years. Um, that it's quite hard for them to see you staggering around from one place to the other, and they all and you all think, oh, he's just doing this to a annoy me but actually i literally cannot do any better than i do from day to day so i think that's quite hard for people to have to watch you stagger around when you literally can't control what you're doing this morning when i got up before all of you um got to get that in um I literally I, I couldn't put one foot in front of the other i was thinking what's this i slept really well i slept like till nine thirty. that's a real lie for me uh, and I was staggering around because I had no balance. And it took me a long time for that balance to come back in any way that I could actually use my body in a constructive way. So I'd say balance. After that, probably walking is the thing. Uh, I wish I could walk with more freedom. Uh, it's quite depressing to know that twenty, on, 13 years ago, I did the London Marathon. And now I can't even walk 100 yards without feeling some kind of effect in my legs but there we
1: go but then saying that you do still go to gyms i do go to the gym.
0: i think it's really important for i think anyone with ms if they can because not everyone can to go to the gym uh to work out a bit just to get those muscles a little bit you uh, loose uh it's ...recommended that people with MS should go to a physiotherapist as well... ...just to loosen those muscles and make them a little bit more taut.
1: And we're not telling anyone with MS to exercise all the time... ...because that will not be beneficial to you. Well, it, it will only work if you feel stable enough to exercise. You know,
0: I mean, it's a, and it all depends on what stage you are with the MS. Like I said, I did the marathon back in uh, 2006... And when you had I, been diagnosed, and I had been diagnosed, but it it does once you've got yourself up to that level of fitness, it does. It's almost like a reboot. Once you've done that marathon, I did feel like I didn't have it for quite a long time. I was quite light on my feet. I ran around everywhere. Uh, it probably didn't help me at the time that like I was smoking about like, fifteen cigarettes a day and drinking quite a lot. But you know, when you do something like that, you feel like you, you you've earned the the, the right to. Destroy your body again. <laughs> uh, I've got one more question, haven't we? Uh, yep,
1: yeah, this is from Imran in Blackburn. Oh, right.
0: uh,
1: Hello, Imran. Well, actually, there are two questions, but do you want me to say them at the same time or separate them?
0: Uh, I've got the first question, then we'll see if, the, if it, there's a natural follow-up.
1: All right. How does it affect you at work? I think we touched on this previously slightly.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's the... I
1: mean, like I said, you do get
0: tired. Uh, with me, uh, my eyesight has been compromised by the MS,
1: so... But you would be a presenter at times, but it's difficult if you can't read the teleprompter.
0: God, don't, don't, let's not go through that. Um, but um, I, I think it's, it's the tiredness and the, the fact that uh, my job is quite... Um, How do you call uh, Visually quite intensive. You know, I have to read and write scripts. I have to uh, basically, I, I'm involved in cutting pictures for for television. So it's quite intensive on my eyes. Um, just tiredness, I think, sometimes. But it's but it's also the 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 good thing about work is I think that if you get to, if you're working in an environment where you're constantly tested where there's a certain amount of adrenaline blowing. I think that's a good thing for your mates.
1: Um After that, he said, are there times when it's a big struggle to get through a shift? Now, you've occasionally taken some time off work because it's your vertigo has been mm. so bad you couldn't actually leave your bed. You would have to get fed while sleeping, and that's not a luxury.
0: Well, I mean, quite often in the last year or so, Before that, probably back in about 2015, 2014, 2015, I couldn't finish the shift because of the vertigo. Uh, So, yes, there have been times when I couldn't finish the shift, but when the vertigo is not omnipresent, then the shift is tiring, but that's, you know, at the age of 48... Work should be tiring. That's the way life should be. You know, I I, I I don't want to be the kind of person who who left it left anything behind. You know, when you know, when when the time comes that you know we have to, all have to leave this this planet, ref. Uh, I don't want to be that sort of person who you know who thought, oh, I could have done this, or I could have done that. So yes, it's hard, but it is hard, and I think that. You have to be a certain kind of person to be able to deal with uh, MS and still come up and smile a little bit. Um, I was texting uh, one of our new followers, um, a gentleman called Evan Smith, who uh, feels like I've known him for a long, long time, because um, he's a contributor to a podcast that I know. And I was just saying to him that just keep on smiling as much as possible. and Keep that mes- positive mental attitude, because... That will that is not half the battle because you know people will lose the battle, but one of the things that's most important about MS is that if you can find a way to smile through something, probably you'd probably be in a better state of mind than you would be
1: if you didn't smile. And it is also perfectly acceptable to take time off work and probably stop doing as stressful work. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, I don't know. You know what. I don't think that um, having a stressful job is the worst thing in the world if you've got MS. I don't think that's true. I, um, I think the hours that you do could affect you. Um, I certainly think that that old thing about you know, always make sure that you get to bed before midnight and make sure that you're sleeping before midnight, I think that can help. Um, I do. Uh, I have noticed that when I start going to bed earlier and getting up at a reasonable time, I'm, I'm in a better frame of mind. Um, but, you know, it, everyone is different. It, it, it affects people in different ways. What's good for the goose isn't always good for the gander. Is that the phrase? That is the phrase, isn't it, I think? We're I'm way too young to know what with... that phrase is. So, uh, um, I, th- I think we've been going for quite a while. We? Yeah, we're past the 25-minute mark. Are we? Yeah. That means we can save some content For the next episode. Because I think
1: we've done a good,
0: solid 25 minutes, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah.
1: This is a very fast-paced podcast. We don't want people to sit here for a long time. We just want to build the tension for the next episodes. And another question that came to me, I'll just get this in quickly, right? Someone
0: said, were you, had you been diagnosed with MS before you started watching The West Week? And the honest answer to that question is, I don't know. That what I would say about the West Wing is, I blame you. Yeah, I blame you, because you were, like, would never sleep, and I had to get a box set to keep me up, at night. But anyway, <laughs> that is for another podcast. Uh, not necessarily this one. Maybe if one day the West Wing Weekly gets in touch with me and says we'd like to hear from you, I'll do that. Wow. Imagine, imagine that. Imagine that. I can imagine that. Anyway... In in the words of the two Ronnies.
1: That is goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. See you next time.